0: 97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th, in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. We got my good friend and business partner here in the Wheel Club, Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And we do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three years of your business, and broke it down by months and turned all the negatives into zero, what would that look like on your bottom line? And that was presented by our wise friend, Dan Nicholson. And we are all here to achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. Now, I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire. In the next five to seven years, if you'll take consistent action, you will become one. If you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And as we talk on this show, we tend to open quite a few loose. My request to you is to keep the loop open. Write your takeaways in the live chat in the comment section. And after you've had a chance to think it through, put in your six-word update in the comments below. We'd like to start off with our six-word updates. I'll go first. My six-word update is don't let anybody in your spacesuit. What would you got, Paul? Wow.
1: I need to hear that one. I need to hear more about that one. Don't let anybody in your spacesuit.
0: Yeah. So it's basically a principle that was presented actually by David Sandler a long time ago, which is no one can actually upset you, right? You get to control when other people upset you. So I had a moment of weakness, right? A week ago today. Some some things were said online. I didn't really care for it and it bothered me for, you know, for a couple hours. But at the end of the day, events occur. And we are responsible for how we respond to those events.
1: Did you read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, my boy, <laughs> right up here? Because that's what he would say as well. If you're a stoic philosopher, you've heard that before.
0: I've heard it before. And, you know, I'm usually oh, awesome. pretty good about, you know, controlling my re- reactions. But this was, uh, there were multiple players involved of which I knew two of them. So it was, it was, it was a little more complicated, but yes. Yes, I do. I did read meditations. It was actually a tougher one for me to read. But yes, I did read meditations.
1: Yeah, it's not one of those you just sit down and read. But I mean, what what you're describing is the the human condition. We all deal with that, you know, in one form or another. I don't think no. it it's a matter of just getting better at dealing with it. Uh, you know, watching you go through that is was was like, oh my gosh, I've got all these other scenarios where I thought I was not violating that, but I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. So. I resonate with that. Don't let people into your spacesuit. Um, so my six-word update is: we must translate theory to application. And what we found is that we have the we have a tendency to talk about the certainty operating system in in a very theoretical way. And we, obviously, this this show is about certainty talks, so mm-hmm. we're talking about theory a lot of times, but what we theory is kind of useless. If you don't translate that and and actually implement these things into your business, actually go out and apply that. So, you know, I think that understanding that we've had by talking it through with Nick and Dan and you and I having a lot of conversations about this is we need to drive the conversation away from the theory. We can talk about the theory, but how do we actually apply this as real estate investors to get the results in our business?
0: Yep. Exactly right. It's, it's tough for all of us. And I think that is generally, you know, the biggest challenge for most entrepreneurs because we like theory. We love theory, right? We love learning new things all the time because we got massive shiny object syndrome. But the reality is without application is all useless.
1: And we sound smart. You know, you start talking about <laughs> uh, the commissioner frame and oh, use the four lenses and, you know, stop grinding and start sculpting and the mm-hmm. solvable problem all these things that we say. And it does sound good but if we're not actually getting the benefits of that in our business then we're just sitting around you know like trying to sound smart yep. so what good is that i mean it's really not useful to us so exactly you know let's focus actually how to make use out of this
0: yep so let's it. go
1: so let's let's go we're going to talk a little bit let me let me give a little bit of backstory so as as most of the listeners have been following along for the last Four months, we've been talking a lot about this concept of certainty. And we learned a lot of this. If you're watching, you can see I'm holding up the Rigging the Game book by uh, our mentor and business partner in the Whale Club, Dan Nicholson. He introduced us to this concept of the solvable problem. Mm -hmm. And so, in today's show, I want to talk about you specifically, Steve. You spend most of your weeks interviewing other people. Mm-hmm. I want to interview you today. All right. I want the listeners to hear what your solvable problem is, because a few weeks ago you were in Florida and you shared this information to the the Collective Genius Premier Group, who mm-hmm. are, I mean, actually the top investors in the country yep. doing this at an extremely high level. And you won for the first time in two and a half years, the <laughs> belt, uh, not to rub that little piece in there. Um <laughs> But yeah, you won the belt uh, of the belts, which basically means you had the best presentation out of everyone that presented there, and I think it really says a lot about the concepts because you presented on solvable problem. You presented mm-hmm. this to some of the top real estate investors in the country, and they decided that was the most impactful presentation of the of the weekend. Yeah, so-
0: out of uh, fifty or so hot seat presentations over the course of twenty four not twenty four hours, but you know from like. 9 a.m. to about 6 p.m. Right, you got, you go through all these presentations in five different rooms, about 10 plus presentations in each room, and I was blessed to hear that you know ours was the most impactful out of all of them. So that was that was pretty cool, and you know kind of goes into what we're about to talk about in in a moment, achievement addiction, but <laughs> it was something I wanted to achieve.
1: <laughs> yeah, awesome. So let's let's start uh, by by explain what is the solvable problem. If you've heard us use that phrase before, let's let's clear that up. What does that mean?
0: Well, to solve a problem is, I mean, if we, even even if we take a step back a little bit, you know, like the problems that we face, a lot of us entrepreneurs, we got, you know, shiny object syndrome. You know, like uh, we always are chasing more or always trying to do the next big thing. And as a result, we're always chasing more because we're unclear on what the target is. Because we have an undefined target, right? Like when we were gro- growing up, uh, in school, like if you were the well-behaved kid, which I was, you know, for a long time until I wasn't, right? It was get study, get good grades, right? Go to get a good, uh, get a good grades, so go to a good college, go to a good college so and get good grades so and get a good job, right? There was, there's a roadmap for 90% of the population. Mm-hmm. But for us who go against the grain, there's no roadmap except, you know, become an entrepreneur and then go figure it out. And because there's no roadmap, there's no predefined target, we don't have a solvable problem. And because we don't have a solvable problem, we just keep doing more and more and more. And so for me, the solvable problem meant I actually have a target I can adjust for. I can now adjust my sights on a target and make a decision based off a reference point. I can say, right, here's where I am today. Here's where I want to be. Here's how I get there. And do I adjust my behavior now that I know I have a target? But before, there was no target. And so it was just a mm-hmm. uh, foot on the gas, gas the, the gas pedals on the floor. And the joke I always said to my team, they always I always drove them crazy. It was, we're going to go 200 miles an hour in a Prius. We're going to see what breaks, and we're going to fix it while the Prius is going, right? Now we can <laughs> say, hey, you know, now we know where we're going. We can adjust the speed of the Prius. That's what the solvable problem gives us.
1: Yeah, and we we've you and I have talked about this on previous shows. We've described it as like the Google Maps for our life. Mm-hmm. And the problem that we we run into as entrepreneurs is we just say I want to go north. And but what north means, it's like this indetermined uh, distance and location like are you mean northeast, northwest, as far north as possible? When do we know where? How do we know when to stop? Mm-hmm. And so, what the solvable problem is, that as I understand it, and from what I'm hearing you're saying, is is the the directions and the and you've got to have in order to have directions, you've got to have an endpoint. Where are you going?
0: Right. Yeah. No, that was the big thing. It was it was giving me, giving me something that uh, is giving me a target I can hit. And once I've got that target to hit, I now have permission to modify my behaviors so that I can make sure I, I, I hit that landing.
1: And you know, whether you're getting closer, right? Because without getting closer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're just chasing more and more and more and more. Right. Um, so let me ask you, because all of us have violated this, you know, and, and it wasn't until Dan shined the light and said, you're chasing more and more and more. You don't have a solvable problem. Right. I was like, Damn, he's right. I mm-hmm. really don't. I don't, yeah, I've, I've talked about financial freedom and, you know, if I could make X amount of money per month or whatever, I'd be financially free. And then you make that money and you're like, I, I could probably double this in the next year. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about where you might've violated this. And, um, you know, it's the comparison trap, the achievement addiction that you mentioned, But, but tell me more about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a few different places where this has occurred, right? Like first, um, you know, I remember I, I was in my, I was going on a ski trip in Tahoe. Right? I was in Sacramento, living in Sacramento, and we went on a ski trip. And the guy that drove had a blue Audi S4, right? And I was like, oh my goodness, this car is super cool, right? Not only is it blue on the outside, but like the interior has got like this blue as well. It's like, this is amazing, right? And he's just carving the mountain in his car, right? It was a fun ride. And, and I told myself, I'm going to get an Audi S4 one day, right? It was on my list to achieve. And then one day, career is going well. I buy an Audi S4, and I right after I bought it, right? Like it was, I got the the loan from the credit union, right? They sent me a check, which I was still shocked that they sent me a check for twenty seven thousand without the car. I take the or yeah, thirty thousand without you know the actual car. Take that, give the check to the guy, right? So I buy the car, and I go to the gas station, fill it up to drive it back to Arizona, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, I don't feel any happier at all <laughs> and that was the first time i was like this is weird i was supposed to be happier but i'm not and this is where I, this is the first time that i figured out i had a I had a feeling i didn't know it i had a feeling that we mistaken pleasure for happiness because was there pleasure 100 and there were times where i'd take corners at 50 miles an hour and i had pleasure but it did not affect my happiness level at all right so that was the first thing and then the second thing, as I remember when I first became a realtor, you know, I was like, man, if I can make 100000 a year, that'd be pretty dope, right? And then you do it and there's no additional satisfaction. Like, well, if I could do 100000 a month, that'd be pretty cool. And we do that. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. It's like, well, if I could be worth a million dollars, man, this would all have been worth it. And you become worth a million dollars and nothing changes. <laughs> it's like, you know, your friends that get married, it's Like now that you're married, like, what's different? Nothing. And so, like, we have this achievement addiction because we we feel like we have to hit these milestones. But all we're doing is we're just checking off boxes to hit milestones, and nothing actually changes when you get there. So that's the achievement um, addiction.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. I certainly struggled with that. And um, I, I don't think it just goes away because you recognize it it's uh, something Dan taught us called the G.I. Joe bias, mm-hmm. which basically means you can know you're biased and still be subject to that bias, right? <laughs> you can know that you're subject to the achievement addiction bias and still be subject to it. Just because right. you know that doesn't mean you are not going to do it.
0: But there wasn't something that says, you know, like we we recognize the term achievement addiction, right? Like that's, that wasn't a new word in our vocabulary prior to meeting Dan. What was different is recognizing that achievement addiction is common and that there is a cure and the cure, uh, to the achievement addiction is solvable problem.
1: Mm -hmm. So, so what does that look like in your personal life? Because, uh, I've, one of the things that we've talked about in the whale club is sort of, they're not exactly the same, your business solvable problem. Is different than your, like your overarching personal life solving problem. So let's start there, and then we'll drill down kind of into the business uh, as we go as we go on. So what does your what does your solvable problem look like for your life and your personal life?
0: Well, before I can even answer the solvable problem part, right? We got. I think it's really critical for everyone that's listening because I had to go through this exercise is figure out what's important to you, right? Like if you don't know what's important, then there's no. Target for it. So for me, first and foremost, I want to be a great husband, and what that means is I want a wife that feels cherished, right? The way I can measure if I'm doing a good job as a husband is that my wife feels cherished, right? That's first and foremost. After that, it's something that's always been important to me is I want well-adjusted, fulfilled kids. Notice I didn't say happy. I didn't say successful, right? Because if, I, if they're well-adjusted and fulfilled, they will find happiness their own way. Their happiness, their definition for happiness, is going to be different than, than than everybody else's, right? Additionally, they'll also find their definition of success. So if I can help them become well-adjusted, fulfilled, uh, contributing citizens to society, that other part will take care of itself. The third thing for me is I want to be around for my great grandkids. And that sounds insane, but like we've done so much to develop ourselves. that I do believe that as we continue on in our growth, that we're going to have value to add to our family, family members down the line. That's part of creating a legacy for our family. And finally, I want to create wealth within my organization. So like, it's cool. I get to be in front of the camera. I get to get all the accolades, the rewards, this and that. But at the end of the day, none of it happens without my team, right? And our team is pretty deep now, right? I mean, we got probably 40 people here now, right? Not including the realtors. So I've got a pretty big team and I want them all to be millionaires, right? As part of our Creating 100 Millionaires. And so that's, what's important to me. So now that I have that, now we can start working the math, right? Which goes into the, you have, you have, you call them a couple different priorities.
1: Well, and, and I'm glad that you pulled me back a little bit cause I got a little ahead, right? And Nick, and Dan talk about the three C's. So the first C is clarity. It's hard to know whether you're getting closer to something. If you haven't gotten clear on what you actually want. Mm-hmm. First C is clarity. The second C is certainty. That's the process of, okay, how do we actually now design the machine? And the machine is the business, the investments, the actions that you're taking. Mm -hmm. And, And when Dan references certainty, one of the things that he says, this phrase he says over and over is, we want to get closer to the things that we want, our solvable problem, with the least amount of risk, least amount of effort, and most amount of optionality. Right. So... So you've gotten very clear. You want a wife that feels cherished, well-adjusted, fulfilled kids, which I love that you didn't say happy because that's not the same thing. I can't control that. Um, you can't control their happiness, right? Yeah. That's up to them. You can do your job. And that's the stoic thing, right? Like control what you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, be around for your great grandkids. That has a lot to do with health and longevity and create wealth within your organization. You're on a mission to create hundred millionaires, right? So the question really isn't, is that doable? It's how do I achieve those things with the least amount of risk? Because the biggest risk we face in life is not getting the things that we want. The right. least amount of risk, least amount of effort, it means I don't want to run around in circles for two decades, taking on a whole bunch of like effort and r- working myself to the bone when less would do, Exactly. Right? And we want to have the most amount of options because- sometimes we're presented with a more efficient path forward. That and you're not prepared
0: leaving. that you had no idea was coming, but just because of the actions you've taken, the things you've done, uh, the, the track record, the credibility, that opportunities come along, that sometimes we can't take advantage of because of other <laughs> obligations and decisions we made in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. So I love that you've got clarity on that. And the first step is defining the endpoint. The second step is really just defining the next couple things that need to go right. Mm-hmm. So how does that translated these personal goals? How are you using the different things that you're doing? I mean, you're you got podcasts, you've got a wholesaling business, you do sales training. There's all sorts of things that you're doing. And ideally, these are all tools designed to help you get closer to these things. So ideally, Talk to me about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we got to preface all this by saying the point of this conversation is not like saying we're doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. The point is we need a support system to be able to help us see these things, see these biases, uh, because oftentimes we're blind to them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think because we're saying like we, we do these things to get us to where we, wa- we want to go. But, you know, I took some unnecessary risks in the last 12 to 18 months, you know. And so in a perfect world, all those three things we're talking about, right? All the activities I'm taking or or businesses I'm I'm, uh, involved in that, you know, we're leading would get me closer to my solvable problem, but I didn't have a solvable problem. And as, as a result of not having a solvable problem, I was taking more risk than necessary, you know? And we've seen this this year more than any other, at least in the last 10 plus years, right? This has been the most challenging year in real estate, and so there are a lot of peers, right? Colleagues within our industry that have taken a gigantic step backwards. And the reason why they took a gigantic step backwards was because they thought they were making, they were getting closer to their ideal target, you know, or closer, they were getting more, right? They were, mo- they were making progress, right? Progress is what you chase if you don't have a target, right? It's just more. And be, as a result of chasing more, they might have exposed themselves to more risk. And by exposing themselves to more risk, they've taken a gigantic step in the wrong direction further than what they truly want. So when I say ideally, it's because our wholesaling company this year, this year, our wholesaling company moved me further away than closer to my goal, right? In all my previous years, it moved me closer. But this year, because of some of the risk we took, it actually moved me. Is I'm going to have to make up for some lost time is, is what's going to happen this year as a result of some of the decisions we've made.
1: Yeah, and how do you know that, that that was a bad decision? I think I just keep drawing it back to the Google Maps example. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you make the wrong turn, Google is going to say, hey, take a U-turn back there. You're going right. the wrong way.
0: Yeah, and 200 feet, we don't make a U-turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. we don't have that in our life. So it's mm-hmm. really difficult to see that sometimes. And so let's talk about risk because we say risk all the time, but let's yeah. translate that into like, practical examples of what we mean by that. When we say we're taking on more risk than necessary, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so taking on risk is really buying properties that maybe we shouldn't have bought. So we said no to a lot of risk, by the way. Like, I wanna be clear here. We said no to a lot of risk. Like, there were a lot of deals that were kind of skinny, right like, yeah, you know, only way this works is if we keep betting on appreciation, right? Like That's the only way this deal works we said no to all those deals because we never knew when the music was going to stop. We knew the music was going to stop at some point, but we didn't know when. And as a result, we never closed on a deal where the only way to win was appreciation. And we left a lot of money on the table. I fully recognize that. Right. But at the same time, I knew I would never be in a situation where I've got eight properties out there (laughs) that we bet wrong on. Um, Mm. so then as far as the risks, then it's buying properties where, uh, the, Risk versus reward on those flips or on those deals were, were not commensurate. And really, if you look at, you know, I love that one of the, one of the four wealth commandments is uh, asymmetric to the upside. A lot of our investor friends that have gotten, you know, into a little bit of trouble was because they're buying deals where upside versus downside were too equal. They were not asymmetric to the upside. So those those are the risks I'm talking about. Buying deals that you're betting on the upside.
1: Guilty. Guilty. I, I think a lot of us made that mistake because, I mean, it's in real estate, certainly, but like also in crypto. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? You and I, we we watched these coins that we were in just run like crazy. And <laughs> we were looking at it like just looking at the upside, not looking at the downside of what happens if this comes back to planet Earth. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and this kind of and, and, you know, talk about the risk, right? Like, we have a lot of friends that were selling the hedge funds, which is great, right? That, that was a great model. There's nothing inherently wrong with that model. However, if you have to close on a property in that window of time, because I know someone in town who closed on a handful of properties on June 14th that the hedge funds canceled on June 15th. So our investor friends are closing on it on the 14th so they can sell it to the hedge fund on the 16th. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: Just one day made a significant difference to their bottom line, right? So those are the kind of risks like, okay, well, it's a 99.9% chance this fund is going to buy from us, but we don't take into account what happens on that 0.01% chance that they don't.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so true. Um, so let me, let me ask you a little bit more about risk, but in, in the terms of, we t- we've talked about TIMER, mm-hmm. this acronym TIMER. Uh, and it's an acronym that, that helps us understand the currencies that we trade. So T stands for time, I is impact or influence, M is money, E is energy and R would be reputation or relationships. Uh-huh. And you've just described risk to money, right? There's a lot of risks that we take on in terms of money. But what I heard you say is your solvable problem is a wife that feels cherished. Uh, well-adjusted, fulfilled kids. That's time and energy, mm-hmm. right? That's it to, to to make sure those things happen. Be around for great grandkids. That's health and longevity and energy. Create wealth within the organization. That's impact and, and reputation. Yep. None of that has to do with money.
0: No, none of those have to do with money.
1: None so, what's the risk to those things? You know, we start we start accumulating all these obligations. So we're gonna start this business. We're gonna go into this market. We're gonna hire more employees. We're gonna do another marketing campaign, another podcast,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? These are all things that take currencies, time, impact, money, energy, and relationships. Yep. So what's the what's the other risk? We talk about money, but let's talk about these other currencies.
0: Yeah, I mean, the risk here is, we're talking about market risk or real estate risk, right? I mean, I'm gonna tie back to this, right? If we buy a bad deal, there's money obligation, or we lose money here, right? But you know, that's just, money loss is no big deal, right, in in some ways. However, now we gotta invest more time, leverage more relationships, right? Leverage more influence to make up for that lost money, right? Like, there was a deal that we did where we lost a significant amount of money on the flip, right, substantial amount, I think 43,000 to be exact, right? Well, when we lost all that money on the flip, we borrowed 100% financing, plus rehab, right? So we're definitely over-leveraged here. And so what do I have to do? I have to call my private money lender and say, hey, I can pay you back, but it would be really helpful for me if instead of paying you back, I'll just owe you the difference, right? And I'll pay you back over the next couple of months. They're okay with it. So, but I still, no matter what, now there's something in the back of their mind, is Steve going to pay me back? Even though I fully will, right? I did... I did spend influence. I did spend relationship, right? And so maybe they might not fund my 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 next deal. So mm-hmm. there's substantial risk there. So it's a calculated risk, right? I'd rather have the money in my bank account <laughs> than than out. But there's a cost here. And when we lose money, we have to spend more time, more effort, right? More influence, more relationships to make up for that lost money. So it's not like it's a one-to-one deal. We're exchanging multiple currencies to make up for that lost money. And again, losing money, like I said, you know, I, I think we have moved further away this year in 2022 as far as my goal, right? You know, uh, our, our solvable problem. We took a step backwards. So we're expending time, right? That's what it costs us. That was the risk in our real estate, in our real estate deals.
1: Well, and it's not like we're saying <clears throat> no risk. It's not like you can't there's inherent risk in everything we do. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're saying we want to eliminate risk entirely. We want to make choices that have bias towards the least amount of risk. right? um, That still get us closer to where we want to go. And also, we're going to make mistakes. There's going to be years where we get further away from what we want. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that most of us have no... And myself included, no way of knowing. Are are I am I actually getting further away or closer away? Because C- we all just want to go north, and it's like I more. just want to go north as far as well,
0: more. more, bigger, better, faster.
1: Right. So you know, I love that you you talked about that we're not we're not eliminating risk. We want to uh, reduce it as much as possible. Um, you hit on the fact that making money. Decisions, trade offs based off of money can also have impacts to your your influence and your relationships and things like this. Um, There's uh, there's an impact. I want to talk about just for a second because we've used this example before. COVID. A lot of a lot of entrepreneurs say, "I want more time with my family, my -hmm. wife, my kids, whatever it is, you know, husband, whoever." But what COVID showed us is that it's not really time. That we want because you know I'm not I'm not a father, uh, but I heard a lot of you know fathers say like, "Oh, my kids are driving me crazy." Yeah, really. What they want is not necessarily more time, but they want more energy. They want to be more present when they're with them. They mm-hmm. want to give them the, their energy when they're with them. Um, you know, so part of the challenge is balancing that. Like, I want to make sure I'm there and present for my family and there's trade-offs when we spend all of our energy on our businesses you know and i've made the excuse many times i'll say i'm just gonna hustle for the next two or three years and then and then we'll have kids and then i'll be more present
0: right and the risk there and this is uh you know i'm glad you brought this up because i've seen this so many times right the risk of being Uh, of spending all your efforts in your business, even if you tell yourself it's for your wife and for your kids and for your legacy, right? Like, what have we seen over and over again? Um, Divorces, right? Because the wife is like, yeah, you know, I appreciate it, but this isn't the life I want, right? And I saw, I watched a great video, uh, a guy who ran, it was like Redline Steel or something like like that, right? Like, he's like, I did this off my family and my wife is divorcing me, right? So divorce uh, strained relationships. I mean, the, the exact thing you mentioned a moment ago, right? Like, I've seen, I've heard stories. I don't know anyone personally, but I've heard stories, multiple stories, of like husband uh, sacrificing their business for their kids, and then when the kids are old enough, it's like, I'll I'll spend time with my kids when they're older, and when they're older, they're like, Dad, I don't want to spend any time with you. Like, you weren't you weren't there when I was a kid. Or actually, matter of fact, there, I, I take, I I apologize. There is someone I know personally whose 17 year old daughter moved out of the, out of the house. It's like. I like, why are you leaving? They're like, I don't want to be here. It's like, I've been busting my butt so we can enjoy these years. They're like, yeah, I'm not interested, right? So strained relationships is a real thing. Um, you know, we talk about getting blown up. I, I used an example earlier, right? Of, you know, uh, the peers and, the co- and colleagues in the industry who close on deals because the fund was gonna buy it, right? And then they don't. And so I know people that have lost millions of dollars this year. Millions, like plural, right? Or you could be breaking even. You know, like, then, and that's how I felt. I was like, man, I have never worked so hard to break even. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for when I got into uh, real estate, when I became an entrepreneur, like to 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 work really hard to, you know, break even. That was not what that is. That was not what was promised, right? When I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all these other things.
1: No. and And the concept is recapture and reallocate. That's the phrase that we hear constantly over and over and over inside of certainty mm-hmm. is you have got to recognize where we're, we're taking on maybe, first of all, more risk than is necessary, or you're, you're biasing the upside, you know, in the, in the best, that's a great example about selling to hedge funds. I mean, everyone's looking at, well, look at this upside. We can buy these deals at 90% of value mm-hmm. sell them to the hedge fund at 103% of value. Right, crazy. Look at this upside. Yeah, but what's the downside if the musical chairs if the music stops and you don't have a chair to sit in, you're left holding five or 10 properties that you've got purchased or, you know, ideally, uh, you don't own them. And you can back out of these contracts. But again, we're not paying attention to the downside. A lot of times, we're just looking at the upside.
0: Yep. And hindsight is always 2020. But these are the kind of questions now I'm asking where I wasn't asking before. I would never ask myself, what have the hedge funds stopped buying? Or what happens if we close on this and the hedge fund doesn't close? I would never ask myself this question before. But now we are asking these questions because we have a framework.
1: We have a framework and we have a common language. So I can say things to you like, hey, use the investor frame here. Mm -hmm. Or um, does this violate the fact that uh, we don't have a preponderance of data? like you might be barreling ahead with something and we really don't have any evidence that this works. So it's the power of having that common language. Um, so I think we've touched on risk, right? The risk of getting further away from the things that we want or really just kind of spinning your wheels. A lot of time. you're not really making progress. You're just spinning your wheels and you're grinding away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's bring it back to the solvable problem. And, and the solvable problem is really made up of two major components. First is the core priorities. These are the things that, well, I'll let you define it. So first is core priorities, and second is preferences. What do those mean in terms of solvable problem for you?
0: Well, uh, core priorities, if I recall, if I recall correctly, is you know, paying off any bad debt, uh, saving money for retirement, uh, any kind of living expenses after you retire. And retirement doesn't really mean a lot in real estate, right? Like if, if for W2 it does, but for real estate, we, we, if we're doing it right, we're, we have rental properties, right? So we don't have like a 401k or a Roth IRA or anything like that. We have rental properties. That's our retirement portfolio, right? Uh, but yeah, having money or having some sort of funds for retirement and, and, a, and a rainy day, I believe, it, are the three components of the core priorities. And then as far as preference priorities, this is the fun stuff. Right. This is um, an epic family trip uh, once a year. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, for me, I've written down and we have not lived this uh, yet. uh, COVID had a little bit to do with it. uh, But, you know, I want to have one epic, big family trip. This is my parents and my in-laws. Right. With the kids. I want to have one awesome vacation with just me and my wife and one uh, pretty good vacation. Maybe it's not as important with just me and the wife and the kids. You know, but an epic trip for me and my wife, an epic trip for the whole family. And then, you know, halfway decent trip for, <laughs> for the five of us, that would be under preferences. Right. And then there's like the hobbies, right? Like I still want, I have a personal trainer today. I want to continue having a personal trainer for as long as possible. We had a, uh, uh, Mike, uh, the, the, the black belt, right? The eighth degree black belt. I can't remember his last name, but he's like, Leone. Mike Leone, there you go. There's, there's a direct correlation to how fast you can get up on the floor and how soon you're gonna die. Right. Like there's a direct correlation. So I have a personal trainer to make sure every time I stand up and sit down, I can do it without making any sounds. Like that's the goal, right? So I have a personal trainer to make sure those things happen. So there's there's the the fun stuff, and then there's the the that's the that's the preference, personal priorities, and then there's the core priorities.
1: Yeah, and I think people oftentimes get confused around I did around the core priorities. What does that mean? It means, <clears throat> what do you need in order to live the lifestyle that you want to live? So typically, a quick rule we've given to people, there's there's some nuances to this. We expand on this inside of the Whale Club. We give you all the tools to actually create this. But if you want a quick down and dirty way to kind of calculate that, figure out your yearly spend. You know, so if you want to spend, let's say $100,000 a year, And and if you did that, that would cover all your expenses. It would cover everything that you needed in terms of living expenses. We're not talking about the vacations, the cars, the personal trainers. We're talking about basic retirement, covering the the core priorities in your life. And if you can take that number, that yearly spend, and multiply it by 25, so if your number was $100,000, you you need roughly $2.5 million in a – let's call it core capital to invest. Right. Uh But that has nothing to do with preferences. And I think oftentimes we get, uh, I don't want to be mislabeled as saying you, you can, like you can actually have everything you want in life. You just need clarity on
2: that. Yeah.
1: Right. Because that informs us on where we're going. There's a big difference in going from Denver to North to Fort Collins and Denver North to Minneapolis. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean we can't get to Minneapolis. It just means that that's a longer drive. It's it's going to take a different route. It's, it's a different solvable problem than just going to Fort Collins. But if that's where you want to go, well, good thing for you is you can probably get there faster and with less, with less risk. So it's just about bringing clarity to that. Yep. So you've done, you've done that work, mm-hmm. right. And I'm to go into the specifics, unless you'd like to, but, um, of of kind of determining what that core priority number is. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I mean, the core priority number is really low. It really isn't that much. Right. I mean, really six, 7,000 a month, really is all we need. We don't really need much more than that. And we live a pretty, um, what's that word I'm looking for? It's not frugal, but we live a pretty normal, basic lifestyle, right? We live like the millionaire next door. You wouldn't know, that we're doing well, except for my Instagram and our cars, right? My cars are my poison, right? Like I drive a Tesla, my wife drives a Tesla, right? So those, that's that's the poison. But beyond that, we live pretty much within our means.
1: I mean, the question has to be asked, really, how much money do you need? Because this is the good question. Steve did the work. A Wife that feels cherished, well-adjusted, fulfilled kids, be around for the great grandkids. That's a health goal and create uh, wealth within the organization. How much money does it take to achieve those things?
0: Right, not that much.
1: Not that much. Yeah. It's all all just more after that point, Mm -hmm. right? And we're not saying more is bad. We're just saying that like, if you can't define what it is that actually is going to give you the life that you want, then nothing will, because you'll just be on this hamster wheel chasing more and more and more. In fact, you posted something recently about Charlie Munger.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and he said something about it's not greed that gets us mm-hmm. because we have, I mean, objectively, significantly more now a significant better uh, quality of life than 30 years ago, 100 years ago, 300 years ago. On like we live
0: wealthier than any pharaoh ever did today.
1: I mean but that's not what he said right he said the problem is envy mm-hmm. not greed right and and it's not it's envy because it's although we have more we're looking at someone else that has even more than us mm-hmm. and saying well i want what he has so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just find that, I found that spot on.
0: Well, basically what we did, right? We re- again, we referenced the purple book, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We realized, oh, WT is not the way to go, right? We should change it so we can get out of the rat race. And what did we do? We didn't get out of the rat race. We just got into a nicer rat race, right? Now we're, now we're in a Lamborghinis, right? Or Ferraris. And we're, we're wearing nicer helmets. And we got the gear, but we're still in a rat race. Mm-hmm. Like no one, not no one. But very few that got out of the W2 rat race actually got out of the rat race. They just went into a bigger rat race. And I think that is the sad conclusion that <laughs> took until this year to figure out.
1: Mm. I mean, it's just always a, a bigger, it's like, you know, bigger pond to swim in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, all right. So you've defined your core priorities. You've defined your preferences. Yeah. And you and I are in this process of, Getting our businesses to align with that because we've made mistakes
2: mm-hmm.
1: just like most people do. So what are you doing currently to align your businesses and your investments to make sure you're getting towards your solvable problem with the least amount of risk, least amount of effort and most amount of options?
0: Well really what we've done, right? So you take the you take the the core priorities and the preference priorities and you add them up. About 20K, right? 20K a month is really all I need. And I've always put like 100K on the vision board, but 20K is really all I need, right? And these is a bold word, really what I am looking for, right? To satisfy my solve problem. So my solve problem in my personal life is 20K a month, which is really low now that I had a chance to sit down and work it out. Now, with that being said, the business side is the active income that generates the, the opportunity to create the passive income, right? Because... The solvable a problem is a passive number. It's not an active number, right? So we're not trying to make 20K a month in our active income. That's not what we're talking about here. We're creating a business where the active income allows us to purchase assets that bring in 20K a month passively. So what am I doing then on the active income side? The active income side, I'm actually reducing my risk. And that's the big thing since I've learned from you, from Nick and Dan, right? Is that I'm taking less risk. So our marketing spend... You know, we we took a controversial position. A lot of people said double down, double down. The reality is, you know, with this downturn and the shift in market, like double down marketing. And the reality is, uh, we don't know when the winter is going to stop. Right? It's not like oh, you know, this recession is gonna be three months. We have no idea when the bottom is going to come. Some people think the the bottom might not come to 2024, right? Like we had Daniel Marcos come on the show. It was pretty cool to have him come on. He's like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't double down right now because I don't know when's the right time for things to turn around? I wouldn't stop necessarily, but I wouldn't double down right now. And so, but we made a decision, which apparently is pretty controversial, is we just stopped all marketing entirely, right? And it's like, well, why would you stop all marketing entirely? I said, my decision is to survive, or my, my stated purpose is to survive. I believe that a good chunk of our competitors are gonna be gone. And so if a good chunk of our competitors are gonna be gone, it would behoove me to make sure I'm still around when they're all gone, so I can then dominate the market, right? And so for me, I'm reducing risk by spending less money. And so it's not sexy, right? I, I can't pound my chest on, on on Instagram, I'm spending less money on marketing than all you guys. <laughs> no one's gonna be celebrating that, right? But what did I do? I reduced risk, I reduced effort, increased my optionality, so that when the market becomes more advantageous for us, we're gonna crush everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Instagram and social media, everything is designed towards more and more and more and more and more. <laughs> yeah, dopamine, I mean, dopamine left, just, dopamine right. <laughs> that's right, the and they—that's how that's how you you monetize dopamine. Yeah, right. You monetize it, so it's hard when someone's like, "I'm actually gonna take a step back." And what we mean by that is not necessarily going backwards it's taking your foot off the brake sometimes mm-hmm. right like sometimes we just need to recapture and reallocate those resources to something that's actually going to get us closer to what we want yeah because if you if you listen to the talking heads and you watch everything on instagram they are just selling dopamine and they're just trying to get you to chase more and more and more and buy their product
0: yeah yeah absolutely right? it and doesn't
1: always and I want to be clear,
0: right? Like, if you're in a situation where your market's doing fine, like, I'm not saying cancel your marketing. I'm just saying, in my exact scenario, I sat down and assessed what's the risk, right? What are my options? And assessing the risk and the options in my situation, this is, and this is where preference kicks in, right? Because we always forget. Because I always hear, like, well, what do you pay your acquisition guys? What do you pay this position guys? You know, what are you doing about this, doing about that? These are all preference questions, right? For my specific unique circumstance, going through a scenario where my business partner decided, hey, I'm out, right? I don't like the way this is going. Your vision is different than my vision. I'm out. Fully respect that, right? So having him leave, and then three weeks later, watching you know the Fed make their announcement and everyone just slam the brakes, I had to assess, right? And I think that's one of the keys, right? We have to assess. And so what I, de- what I decided was based off what was best for me in my situation. Now, I don't want anyone to think stop marketing is like, we just shut down the team. We did not do that, right? We were also, because of you know our unique circumstance, this preference-based thing, we already have hundreds of thousands of records in the Phoenix market. We can just cold call them all day and still drum up business. That's what we did. We did deals of our existing data. We just elected that to spend more money on marketing.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's this is none of this is prescriptive just because Steve's saying he's doing this in his business. I think that's that's what I struggled with for so long was what are you doing? What are you doing? You're Mm -hmm. trying to make decisions uh, based off what other people are doing. But you don't have all the answers, you know, I mean, meaning you don't have all the information. They might be making decisions based off completely different information. Right. And it's part of certainty has to do with the title of Dan's book rigging the game right. and playing your game. Your game is going to look very different than everyone else's game. Right. And if you're making decisions based off of what somebody else pays their acquisitions person or what this, you know, uh, this operator is doing in terms of marketing right now I and mean, what the hell does that have to do with anything?
0: Right. So this you know, that's this, their is, this is taking all the certainty principles that we learned right? From Nick and Dan and applying it for my real estate business.
1: Yeah. So solvable problem helps you get closer to the things that you really want in life Mm -hmm. without hopefully any unnecessary risk, unnecessary setbacks. It's a mechanism that we use to, um, to do this. And so Talk to me a little bit about the process that we take people in through the, through the whale club because this is, I think it's an easy concept to get. Oh, right. We need a solvable problem. Yeah. It's, we know, and part of my six word update today was we've got to go from theory to application because just understanding this is very different than actually getting your business and your investments to align with that. So tell me about the next group That we're bringing in and what the goal is with the whale club now and how we're actually supporting uh, ourselves and our community and, and actually uh accomplishing these things
0: yeah i'm really excited about this right i mean we've had what 70 80 people come through the whale club right and with that 70 or 80 you know 10 to 15 something like that have raised their hands to say hey we want to go through all these principles again and how it applies to real estate and really more specifically, how this applies to my scenario, right? And so I'm really excited about that. And we have room, I think, for a few more uh, to, to join us, right? I think the the link is inside the description, but we have room for a few more to take all these principles that you know, we're learning and applying it for our real estate business. Because it's really cool to learn, but it, it's not cool to apply, but I promise you, you're gonna sleep a lot better right? It's going to be a lot easier and right. Nothing. I don't think anything helps us sleep better than certainty. It's actually what we sell, right? That's what we sell in our sales training, right? Go sell certainty to the homeowner, right? So Mm -hmm. you can't get any more certain than as we go through these principles and how it applies to each of all the Whale Club members and their business and in their lives. So I'm really excited for that.
1: Yeah, me too, because we have a pretty unique opportunity, you know, Nick and Dan taught us through the CCA, which is a very expensive six month program. And we learned the theory of all this stuff. And, but there was a, there's a gap right between theory and application. And so what we do in the whale club is we teach how I shouldn't say we teach. It's a community collaborating to solve these problems. Because if we're not getting closer to the things that we actually want in life, then what's the point? All of us have chosen real estate as the vehicle, right? And then we also do some blockchain stuff and we also do some infinite banking stuff and we do some other things, but they're all designed to help us get closer to the things that we want uh, with, with the least amount of risk possible. So I couldn't agree more. I'm extremely excited for this next group because we are now completely focused on the application of this in your specific business you know so if you're a real estate investor who is feeling anxiety right now in the market and you want to continue making progress closer and closer to your goals without chasing more check out this link um we've we've got our website we uh realestatecertainty.com so we've we've kind of taken this concept of blockchain and integrated it back into certainty. Hmm. Um, So if you want to learn more about this, you can check out realestatecertainty.com and you can learn more about it. Or like Steve's saying, you can just get some more information from the link in our bio. You can get on our wait list and we'll fill you in on more uh, of what you can expect by joining the Whale Club.
0: Yeah. And I want to touch on something here, right? Because I'm talking about my solvable problem number is 20,000 a month, right? And you look at that as like, well, that doesn't seem really sexy, right? And again, it's 20000 a month passively. But here's the thing. I'm not saying once I get there, I'm going to stop. Because I think that's the big fear, right? Well, you just lowered your target. Like, what's the fun in that? I want to be totally clear. I'm not saying we can't do more. All we're saying is once we get there, we're going to modify our risk behavior, right? We're going to take some chips off the table. We're going to protect this. So that no matter what happens, we'll never lose it. Because again... The big things we saw this year, right? And I've seen this with multiple people I know, right? Divorces, strained relationships, or they're out of business, or they're so far in debt now that they're not sure how they're gonna get out of it, right? That's the risk if we're not taking some chips off the table. And so for us, as I'm getting closer to my target, I'm just gonna adjust my risk behavior. And once I've got 20K a month passive, I'm not retiring. We're just transitioning, right? We're going to do things that if I'm not 100% excited about it, I'm not going to do it, right? Why did we get into business? Do what we want, when we want with who we want to do it with, right? Leave a legacy, hit our solvable problem. But if you get to a point where you're hitting your solvable problem, you're doing everything that you truly desire, like your heart truly desires, and you are making enough passively to do it, why would you ever, ever do anything again you didn't want to do? So now you get to just play. You get to just go all out and play and do whatever you want. And if it's chasing more, making you happy, great. We're just protecting the downside. We're reducing the risk profile. That's all that means. We're not saying stop. We're not saying retire, become an old fud, fuddy-duddy or not have fun anymore. We're not talking about that at all. I want to be very clear as far as the solvable problem here.
1: Well, and Steve... The the language I use around this, because you and I are very similar, is what financial certainty means to me is that I get to play business as a sport for as long as I want.
2: Uh
1: It means that whether I win or I lose, like it doesn't matter. I already have the things that I want locked in. So now we can go play. And also, what does Dan say? I reserve the right to change my mind. It means what I want now might be different than what I want three years from now. And in fact, it's very highly likely that that's the case. Right. So when we say financial certainty, it's locking in the, the core priorities and the preferences that we want so that we can go play business as a sport for as long as we want.
0: Right. And you truly are doing this for fun.
1: Exactly. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think a lot of people are going to be... Um, I think I think we've we have a lot in common with most real estate investors, right? We're doing this <laughs> yeah. to get financial certainty so that we can play business as a sport. But if we're if we're not locking in that financial certainty goal, it's going to be really difficult to do that, and it's just adding more anxiety, adding more time to it. So thank yeah. you for sharing. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and again, right? We don't want to risk those the the, the currencies, the time currencies. And hey, you know, right now, if you're watching this live. What I ask is, as soon as we end, go in the comments and write your six-word update. Right, the best way to get value out of this is not to just listen to it, but actually process it, digest it, and give us a six-word update. So, uh, whether you're watching this live, you're watching this li- watching this later on, go in the comment section, put in put in a six-word update. And by the way, what's great is that you can, if you're reading other people's six-word updates, it may add a different perspective to help you, you know, see this in a different light as well. So, that's it. Thank you all. Appreciate you guys. You know listening in on my journey and uh, hopefully you guys got enough value and then we'll see you guys not next week cause it's the holidays. So uh, see you guys in a couple of weeks. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Be safe out there uh, and happy new year.